Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Joining us now is the author of a book called The Mission. He's a journalist and he looks at space, David W. Brown. How are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you? Good. I am uh, not necessarily a space nerd, but I'm always interested in space stories, and I try to keep up with it. And it seems like over the past decade or so, it's almost like daily there's something new, when before it used to be weekly, it seemed like. And it's amazing how much attention is being put into space exploration, space commerce, business, you know, there's all kinds of private entities. It's a really exciting time to pay attention to space. This is probably the golden age of space exploration that we're living in right now. That's right. So in the mission, it's kind of funny because you talk about NASA's Europa Clipper. And I knew about Europa some time ago um, when I was in, let's see, the 1990s visiting family members in New Jersey. And my uncle had the internet before anyone else. And we were looking up stuff on the computer, and he said, Here, here's my password, it's Europa. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I kind of knew about it, because he's always been kind of space-oriented in things. So that always um, stuck out in my mind. It always stood out. So when we look at the way we are looking at Jupiter and everything we've done with Jupiter in the past 10 years, is that what your book is about? Is that what you are looking into in the mission? Well, the mission's about a, a small team of scientists and engineers who spent the last 20 years trying to convince NASA to fly a spacecraft to Europa. Um, Europa, for, for people who don't know, it, it is, is an ocean moon of Jupiter. Um, although that moon is about the same size as our moon, there's three times more water on Europa than there is on planet Earth. And uh, when I say water, I don't mean like some weird green alien goo that is technically water. I mean, salt water. Um, you could you could plunge a cup in it, take a sip, and your body would know what to do with it. It wouldn't be healthy, but you wouldn't die either. Um, consequently, that's the most likely place in the solar system beyond Earth to harbor life, and not just microbes, but conceivably complex life, maybe fish, maybe sea monsters. Who knows? And a big part of it is trying to figure out what's under that icy surface. And there's been a lot of time and effort put into how do we do that? How do we get on into it? And how do we look into it? And a lot, there is a lot of um, attention to Mars. Like when I was younger, it was all about Mars. And even before that, you know, if you go back 100 years, it was all about the moon. And it's kind of interesting that we shift our attention in different places. Uh, some 
entities like to look at Venus. Some places look even further. It's We're kind of lucky here to have an organization like NASA that has been able to do so much when it comes to it. And on top of that, release all that information to the public for you to enjoy for yourself. That That's right. And, and that's a really good point, especially considering how little funding NASA actually gets. I think people think that NASA gets something like 30% of the federal budget or something ridiculous like that. In fact, NASA gets one half of 1% of the federal budget. I mean, they're, they're a rounding error relative to something like the Defense Department. And for, for space exploration, like I write about in the mission, um, that, that, that comes from just a quarter of even that tiny amount. Um, that Americans spend more every year on chewable dog toys than we do on space exploration. Hopefully for their animals. But I think about exploration in general. What can we learn from one of the moons of Jupiter? What is the what is the 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 pie in the sky best case scenario? We finally get to man a mission there. What would happen? Well, the, the stakes of the mission that I describe in the book are, are enormous. If, if there's life on Europa, like real animal life, like in our ocean, or maybe something beyond our ocean then it'll, it will touch every aspect of human life, science, religion, philosophy. Nothing would be the same again, particularly when you consider that all life on Earth comes from a common origin, like we've all evolved from that, from that whatever happened uh, millions of years ago to create life on our planet. Um, whatever life originated on Europa it, it experienced its own genesis. It would be wholly unrelated to anything we've ever, we've ever seen or anything we've ever encountered. They would not be in our food chain. It would not be um, anything that uh, we've had to contend with. Would that even be an animal? I mean, it would be totally unrelated to us. How would we relate to such a thing? It's, it's an exciting thing to consider. What do you think is more likely? Um, let's say we're able to get beneath the surface of Europa and explore what may be under there, and we could find something. Or do you think it's more likely that we send something to Mars or people to Mars and we start to get more hands-on digging and we find a fossil or something from a million years ago there? Well, I, I think we're far more likely to find life on Europa simply because um, the conditions there are perfect for life. It's got a liquid ocean. It's got chemical energy. Water touches rock. It's got, um, it's got organics. Um, and it's had time for life to bake there. Um, it takes about 500 million years, scientists think, for life to take hold uh, somewhere. Mars, it seems pretty dead from what we've, what we've been able to determine. There's just no evidence yet of life. Um, likewise, um, if there is life there, it might well be fossilized life. It might have been from a long time ago, but it would still be microbial. There's just no evidence that we're going to find animals without sending astronauts there with pickaxes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's just, right now, that's science fiction. But one day that might be the case, and that's pretty exciting, too. Yeah, a lot of privatizing space exploration with Elon Musk and SpaceX and uh, Virgin Galactic and um, even Amazon with Jeff Bezos and them. They have their own space exploration. So there's a lot of people that want to get into it that's privatizing it, not with the name NASA on the side. And then add on top of that, there's other countries with their own space programs that are doing their own things and they have their own things that they want to study. It's pretty amazing because for the longest time it was... United States and Russia trying to get to the moon. And then it was just the United States, for the most part, that was doing serious space exploration. And then, you know, 90s pick up and all of a sudden there's um, like even here in St. Louis, there was the launch of the first uh, mission to try to get a private 
something up into space where Richard Branson came in and did that million dollar uh, prize money if someone can get up there on their own. And uh, it was so cool to think that there was a whole bunch of people that knew that all of these things were possible. Now we we're here in 2020, 2021, and we're seeing all of that play out in front of us. That's right. SpaceX and 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 the other private uh, rocket companies have, have done a particular service for NASA in that they've lowered the cost of access to space. Historically, every ounce that you launch into space has just cost tens of thousands of dollars. And, and well, then you get to pounds and then you get to tons. And it's it's just been enormously difficult to launch things to space. And particularly if you want to have long-term massive endeavors, like, say, putting an astronaut on Mars. Um, by by developing these reusable rockets and this sort of technology, companies like SpaceX have, have dramatically lowered the cost of access to space, which means we can fly more things. We have billions of dollars freed up for other enterprises or for bigger enterprises. So I think in, in our lifetime, it is totally reasonable to imagine astronauts on Mars or landers or, or even melt probes, perhaps, uh, going into Europa and finding that life. That's really amazing. He's a journalist and also author of the book, The Mission, David W. Brown, talking space with him this hour on Overnight America. We'll continue with him next on KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. I'm your host, Ryan Recker. If you like things like this, you can download the podcast or share it with your friends if you think they would enjoy hearing it. Just do a quick search for Overnight America wherever you get your podcast, or you can find it on KMOX.com. Author and journalist David W. Brown talking about his book, The Mission, which you can look up now. I have all kinds of space questions. Can I just throw some at you and see if uh, any of them resonate? Fire away. So I understand when you go deeper into like planet Earth, I've, I've seen videos on YouTube. It's, it's like such a rabbit hole, by the way. If you watch one, they recommend a million others. So they talked about, okay, here's hypothetically if the sun just disappeared. And they talked about how would you survive on Earth if the sun disappeared? And they were talking about how you would burrow into the Earth in order to try to capitalize on some of the heat that's just built into Earth. You know, the surface would freeze over in a matter of, you know, relatively short amount of time. But the further you go down, you might be able to sustain life. Is it like that with moons like Europa? Is there enough activity on it where even though the surface may be glazed over and, you know, underneath it, there could be some water. But the further you go down, it's more sustainable for life. It's it's that that's that's a good question. It's sort of in the in the realm of science fiction that to be able to burrow that deep in the earth. But it is it, it is uh, theoretically. I mean, why not? Um, and what's really interesting to consider when we talk about the heat inside something like Earth, that heat is is a remnant from Earth's formation 4.6 billion years ago. That's how hot it was. But it's still radiating heat from its formation. Uh, somewhere like Europa, the reason that the that ice shell covers that liquid saltwater ocean is because of heat generated from the gravity of Jupiter and the gravity of the other moons um, orbiting Jupiter. They're basically pulling and squeezing on each other. And just like if you hold a tennis ball in your hand and you squeeze it and squeeze it and squeeze it, eventually it's going to start getting warm. And the same thing's happening on Europa. And that warmth is just enough for that ocean to exist and not enough for that ocean to disappear. And that's what happened on a moon like Io. It just went away and now it's just a volcanically active body. So it's um, it is interesting to consider, you know, all these all these fun possibilities. My personal preference is that the sun not go out because <laughs> I, 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 I don't I don't see myself surviving very long in the, the frozen wastes. 
No, you might have a year if you're lucky. Uh, it's not much. <laughs> it's bad <laughs> timing for that. Well, the other thing is I've been trying to follow the James Webb Space Telescope, and when I was looking at it last, I thought it would be up by now. Uh, the James Webb Telescope is going to be the heir apparent to the Hubble Telescope, which got amazing use out of the Hubble Telescope. Just a, what a wonderful thing that was. But uh, you can do so much more with the technology we have now. When is the James Webb Telescope going to be operational? Now, that's going to launch this year. Uh, James Webb's been a really, really tough nut for, for NASA to crack. Part of the problem is um, the telescope is not going to operate in Earth's orbit like Hubble does. It's going to operate at a Lagrange point, which is like a, a, a static gravity point between like the Earth and the moon or the Earth and the sun. I, I, I'd have to look up exactly uh, where relative to Earth it's going to be positioned. But it's, it's going to be inaccessible to astronauts. So if there's a problem... That's it. No James Webb. Nobody remembers that when Hubble launched, it, it, it was blurry, which yeah. is like literally the worst thing that could happen for a telescope. <laughs> it can't be blurry. That was its one job. And astronauts were able to go up there and put, you know, essentially glasses on it to make it work right. But for a long time there, the, the joke was, you know, people had bumper stickers that said, if you can read this, you're not the Hubble Space Telescope. <laughs> so Webb's finally going to launch, and that's going to free up a lot of money at NASA to do many other things. And that's not even talking about the exciting science we're going to get from it. So this is an exciting time for, for astrophysicists, for sure. Yeah, and the, the data and everything that, from what I understand, Hubble is like a telescope up in, just up in space. So you don't have a lot of the interference of our atmosphere, lights, things like that. This James Webb Telescope, from what I understand, is able to measure so much more of the wavelength as opposed to just what you could see with the visible eye. You can study a lot more based on what's around the world. And I forgot what magnitude it's more powerful. Is it like 10 times or 100 times more powerful, something like that? Oh, yeah. It's, it's orders of magnitude more powerful than Hubble. And it's it's going to be able to see much farther into space and consequently much further back in time such an amazing thing and that's real i mean that's real life when you hear about these sometimes it sounds science fictiony but that's something that is very exciting i didn't realize it was inaccessible that could be a, a problem and there's all kinds of other things that uh space is doing sometimes you don't realize it it's 10 years in the making before you find out anything you know we just had that satellite do the flyby of pluto which you know started i mean I don't even remember when they launched that out, but sometimes these missions, they take decades or generations even to get data back. It's it's pretty remarkable the amount of time needed to travel through space. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons that I wrote the mission. It's because I, people, myself included, you turn on the TV one day and, and you see suddenly we know what Pluto looks like. You know, so it's almost like an instantaneous thing. But in fact, that mission, which only only flew by Pluto in 2015, that mission started in the 80s. Like That was a long project. And it had a cruise phase. Like It took travel time. It took nine years to reach Pluto. It was, And that's the, as the fastest object human beings have ever launched into space. I mean, it was 54,000 miles per hour or something like that. Just absurd rates of speed. Um, and, and things like the exploration of Europa. You know, that, Like I said, that took 20 years for scientists to convince NASA to do it. And... Um, it still hasn't launched. It'll launch in 2025, roughly. And from there, it's got a six-year flight to uh, to reach Jupiter. It's really, honestly amazing. And joining us here is an author, uh, also a journalist, David W. Brown. We're talking about his book, The Mission, which, by the way, if people wanted to look that up, where can they find it? Oh, you can you can find it at your local bookstore. You can find it at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, um, anywhere that books are sold. Or just go to the library and ask them to get it for you. Perfect. 
the library buys those copies too, so that's great. Oh I yeah, win either way. <laughs> we're still in the you got like my wife, avid reader, so she uses our library a lot, and we're still mm-hmm. in St. Louis where you have to do the drive up. So you you order it online, they tell you when it's ready, you drive up, and they bring it out to you. They don't let you in the physical building, but they have a great, I mean, unbelievable staff that helps with exactly that thing. If there's something you're looking for that they don't have, you can request it. And how about that? It shows up like a week later. It's pretty amazing the system. I wanted to ask you about a few other things when it comes to space, and I've always wondered about this. We have all these other different satellites or probes that we've shot out that were used for different missions, and then they just continue to exit our solar system. A couple of the old ones going back, I guess, from the 70s, I believe. But when they get to a certain point, I've read about this, but I haven't fully understood. They said they reach something that they call is like the wall of fire. Once you get out further, it feels like th- there's almost like this bubble or something that's out there. Right. That's the uh, the, the the heliopause. So at a certain point, um, a spacecraft, and this is when it enters interstellar space. At a certain point, the spacecraft leaves the influence of our sun. And that's extraordinary. You're right. The, the Voyagers launched in the 1970s. And they're still flying today. And only in the last couple of years did they leave the influence of the sun. That's how, that's how big the solar system is. Um, once, they, once they leave that influence, they're, they're kind of on their own. And, and scientists are still getting data back. And they're trying, you know, they're trying to, to work miracles with, with very little. Um, New Horizons is going to be another one that's going to return some remarkable data the farther oh, yeah. it flies. That New Horizons is amazing. The thing that also... I mean, is absolutely astonishing to me is how weak the signal those satellites push back, like those probes going back to, you know, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny signal that they're able to amplify here on Earth and still get usable data from. That blows my mind. It's incredible that they can still point the spacecraft because these things aren't blasting out like, you know, a wall of data. They're sending a thin beam back and they've got it from, you know, billions of miles. Hit, hit the hit the deep space network in order to uh, in order to get that data. It, it's remarkable. If you ever go to Jet Propulsion Laboratory, you can actually see the data being downloaded in real time. And it's uh, there's actually an art installation that they have there. It looks like a transporter beam from Star Trek, and the and the data come in, and they uh, and they begin you know archiving it for a future analysis. Wow. I, during the Trump administration, he put some more funding towards NASA in order to help with some of the other missions they wanted to fund. And now there's a uh, Biden administration. And do you think they'll keep that funding up or do you think they'll change that for NASA? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried about the funding. Um, the Particularly in the sciences, there shouldn't be any any concern for uh, for NASA there. In fact, I think Earth science will probably see more money. Uh, are, are more a greater willingness to spend that money than we saw previously. Um, one thing that's been interesting is our development in the last, say, 15 years, Congress has taken a real interest in the space program, and they have generously funded the program even when the White House has, has and, uh, both parties have tried to cut NASA. Um, NASA's an easy target, and uh, and there's no natural constituency for it. So for Congress to take that lead and restore funding whenever it's cut has been uh, has been NASA's salvation. He's a journalist and also author of The Mission, which you can find now, talking about really the amazing mission that NASA is taking to Europa, one of the moons of Jupiter. But we're just talking space in general, and I enjoy this topic, and I'm sure you do too. We'll continue with David W. Brown right after the break. We'll also take a look at your weather coming up next on Overnight America 
KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. News Radio 1120 KMOX. The voice of the Cardinals. If you are a space enthusiast or you just like the possibility of what space exploration could bring to our knowledge or understanding of the world and universe around us. I love topics like this, and I love when we get the opportunity to talk to journalists and authors that know a lot more about it than I do. David W. Brown joining us here, and you can find his book, The Mission, on Amazon or your local bookstore. That'd be a great place to look, too. Do you think there's a Planet X that every once in a while that pops up on certain blogs and things where they say, oh, there's some data that would suggest there's a missing planet out there somewhere and it could be way out there, but somehow it's still every 20,000 years comes by our sun or something like that? I I absolutely think it it it, it does exist. And and the reason I do is because people that I that I respect are, are, are searching for it. They're, 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 there's no question about it. The problem is it's so far out in our in the orbit of the sun that you've got to you basically have to nail it with your uh with your telescope and you've got to and and it's going to be very very difficult to see it's not like it's gonna be a glint of light and suddenly you know there's planet planet x um but but mike brown uh the astronomer 
who discovered so many of our dwarf planets and who is famous for killing Pluto. Um, <laughs> he's, he's been on the job for, for quite a number of years now, and he's, he's doggedly pursuing it. Oh, yeah. He also blurbed the back of my book, which was very nice of him. Oh, that is really cool. So it, technically speaking, they go back and forth, I, th- I think, to appease the public. They said Pluto is technically a planet again, or I don't know. What's, where does that stand right now? Oh, it's, 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 it's all, uh, you know, inside baseball at, at, within the astronomy community. Um, ontologically, Pluto is the same as it was 50 years ago or, or 2 billion years ago. Um, but we always, you know, I, I think astronomers like to change things around. I mean, remember, Ceres used to be a planet, and nobody thinks about planet Ceres anymore. So it takes time for, uh, for, for people to settle on this. But right now it's a dwarf planet, um, whatever that means, you know, relative to, to a traditional planet. I personally think dwarf planets should be just a planet. But Just put it in there. We have such a love for Pluto. In fact, you know, growing up, we had that, you know, we had to learn the order of the solar system by memorizing a sentence. Uh, did you have that when you were learning the planets? Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. I can't remember what the sentence is, but I do I do know the order of the planet since it's my job. <laughs> yeah, so it, and when I was in third grade or whatever it was, I still remember it, and that's why I'm concerned because then it changes the sentence, and I'm not a, I don't want that to happen for my own sake. It was, my very energetic mother just sewed Uncle Ned's pants. And I well, you can't now, edit Uncle Ned, just sewed Uncle Ned. That doesn't make sense. There needs to be something at the end there. <laughs> I guess it depends if it's a taxidermy type situation. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Uncle Ned, the uh, the uh, animal that he caught and brought home or whatever. And right. yeah, the taxidermy situation. Well, the mission people can look that up now. It's there's so many different places where people can find it, and you could do a search for it online with author David W. Brown. What uh, it, what ex- uh, I guess excites you the most when it comes to space exploration that we might be able to see this year. I mean, the James Webb Telescope we talked about, um, but other than that, is there anything that we are expecting data back on soon that excites you? Oh, I, th- I think all all data are exciting in their own way. I think the most exciting thing that's going to happen in the immediate future, in, in, in two weeks, the uh, Perseverance rover is going to land on Mars. So if we remember that extraordinary landing of the Curiosity rover with the sky crane and the parachutes and the, the weird retro rockets and all that stuff, the, the Rube Goldberg project that basically landed that thing on Mars, that's going to happen again. So um, two weeks from now, we're going to see quite a quite an exciting show. That is pretty amazing. The distance to communicate with Mars, how long does it take for us to get a signal from that planet? They call it the seven minutes of terror. Whenever the whenever the computer takes over to land the spacecraft, and and we lose signal with it, um, there's seven minutes of silence. And at the end of those seven minutes, either the spacecraft is dead or it's alive. And uh, yeah, it's 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 quite a terrifying moment because people can't land the thing. It has to be computers. Yeah. So hopefully it's uh, it's up to the challenge. Very terrifying moment. What about the uh, probe that we sent to measure the sun? It was the closest we've ever sent anything man-made to it in order to get data back. Are we still getting stuff back from that? Oh, yes, the Parker Solar Probe. That's a, an extraordinary achievement. We're, gonna, we're touching the sun. Although an interesting fact about the sun, something maybe worth thinking about, um, when we talk about the sun's atmosphere, the Earth exists inside the sun's atmosphere. That's how big and powerful it is and how small and puny we are. There's a very famous uh, saying, I think it was Arthur C. Clarke, I'm not certain about that, but that our solar system 
from another star, aliens looking at us would see the sun, Jupiter, and debris. I mean, that's how that's how big things are and how little we are. That's amazing to think, isn't it? So it doesn't give me much um, hope to believe that other civilizations that might be somewhere else would even know we are here, and I think that might be a little comforting. What do you think about the whole alien thing? Um, the vastness of the universe, I remember just a couple of weeks ago, they mentioned they may have overestimated the number of inhabitable planets out there, and based on the number of stars, they were the way they were calculating it might have been a little bit too much, and they scaled it back some. Um, and so many people say, just based on statistics, there has to be inhabitable and life on other other places do you even uh, do you even divulge or think about things like that oh certainly i mean i think uh, i'm almost i would i would bet money that there's life on europa which is two planets over so when you imagine entire solar systems for for an infinite number of star near infinite number of stars just in our galaxy it feels like um the odds of there being life or it, it, it would be far less likely or it's far more likely that there's life elsewhere than there's not it just seems absurd to me that nowhere else could life could life take hold? Yeah, and 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 I think we're actively looking for it. Undoubtedly, these civilizations would be actively looking for it. It's just a matter of time. But remember, we're working on cosmic scales here. You know, billions of years. So um, it, it might take a, a long time. Indeed, we're just getting started. Other civilizations might have been doing it for centuries. If we go back to the 60s and we look at how the United States and Russia were trying to man the moon and we look at the two different space programs and how they work together, which wasn't, um, we, uh, you know, I later find out, you know, Russia sends a probe to the uh, to Venus and they hold on to those photos forever like they don't release that it's like kept a secret until eventually it's you know released to for people to uh, look at and I'm wondering how do different space programs interact today are they very friendly with each other or are they very secretive well the Chinese program is is, is an anomaly and that it is, it's incredibly secretive I think there's a there's an aversion to sort of being embarrassed on the national stage but I will say that the Chinese have a remarkable space program and a robust lunar exploration program. It, NASA hasn't landed anything on the moon since Apollo 17, right? Uh, China's doing it all the time. Um, but the European Space Agency um, interacts with NASA uh, frequently and, and collaborates on missions all the time. So we're seeing that the world really coming together to help each other uh, because this is really a human enterprise. It, it, to my way of thinking, uh, this isn't a you know. Once you consider the, the 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 expanse of the cosmos and say colonizing Mars in the distant future, I mean it it makes the notion of national borders seem kind of silly. A whole other planet. What does it? What does what does the border even mean? <laughs> well, it was like um, that one book came out, The Martian. Then eventually, it was adapted into a movie, and there was that part where they were trying to figure out how can we get a rescue mission back to Mars for the person that was stranded. And they mentioned how scientists work well with each other when it comes to things like this. And I thought, I wonder if that's true. If agencies that like China and India would actually help the United States in a moment like that. I think they absolutely would. We can look to the Cold War between the Soviet Union and the United States, and planetary scientists went to the Soviet Union, and Soviets came to the United States all the time. They were constantly working together despite the hostilities between the two powers. So I think in a, certainly in a situation like that, the world would come together. Yeah. So uh, before we run out of time again, if people wanted to find you and find the book in all the different work you put into it, and they're just interested in space in general, uh, where can they find the mission? 
You can find the mission at, at bookstores everywhere, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, your local independent bookstore, libraries. Um, you can find more about me and more about the book at davidwbrown.com. I just love things like this, and I'm always fascinated by it. You're such a great mind for it. The mission, um, and by the way, with here in St. Louis or anywhere else, request it if they don't have it in to the public libraries because that's great. Better yet, just go buy the book. You can go find it online. The Mission, David W. Brown. Thank you so much for coming on to KMOX. Thank you for having me today. And David said he'll join us in a few weeks when the Mars rover lands. It's going to be a pretty awesome spectacle that you'll be able to watch as it happens. It's amazing that we're at the point where we can, in real time, witness these things unfold in front of our eyes. So he said he'll come back in a few weeks and we'll talk about that rover after it lands and the mission to Mars there. I, I, love, I love, love, love topics like this. So he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. We'll be right back. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. Welcome back. Was that fun or what? Talk some space. Ooh, space. I do have a follow-up space story that happened during the press conference from earlier today in the White House. Maybe I'll play it here in a second, but it, it got um, some people to raise their eyebrows, mostly because they took a armed service when it came to the Space Force and kind of, you know, kind of joked you know, that it was not, you know, I'll, I'll play it for you and you tell me if you listen to this and think anything of it. I ask whether the president has made a decision on keeping or keeping the scope of Space Force. Wow, Space Force. It's the plane of today. Um, it is an interesting question. Um, I am happy to check with our Space Force point of contact. I'm not sure who that is. I will find out and see if we have any update on that. Okay, so the answer. Wow, Space Force. It's a branch of the armed services. And imagine if she was up there and said, ooh, the Marines, ooh. What do you think? I, I do think it was pretty disrespectful in the way that she did it. And I was watching some of her press conference today and I wondered, is she drunk today? Because some of her answers were like that. You know, she was like leaning over or whatever. It's, I thought did happy hour begin a little bit early for them there. So I saw this story in Politico and I'll read this for you. It says top house Republican demands that the press secretary that, that you just heard uh, Paskey apologize over disgraceful Senate uh, Space Force quip. So calling it disgraceful. And I'll read the quote for you and why she uh, why that uh, congressman believes that Jen Paskey should immediately apologize for her response. It says it's concerning to see the Biden administration's press secretary blatantly diminish an entire branch of our military as the punchline of a joke. He also goes on to say the Space Force was passed with near unanimous support in Congress. The same type of unity President Biden is supposedly working towards. And he said, Jen Paskey needs to immediately apologize to the men and women of the Space Force for the disgraceful comment, end quote. Yeah, that was a weird way to handle it. Uh, I don't know if she's just trying to get a little bit more, yeah, you know, a little bit more conversational, a little more whatever. But yeah, it is a part of the armed services and much like the Army or the Navy or the Marines uh, Air Force, it's Space Force. So like it and still mock it, it is part of it. 
And that's probably not in the best taste. I don't know if she came out with an apology after I think they, she might've said something on social media, but uh, yeah, not a, not a good thing to mock. If you haven't seen this too, some people are talking about SpaceX prototype for the rockets. And for a while there, they have been testing these high altitude rockets um, and they've been launching them. But the problem they are running into right now is they can't land them. So they've had a couple of uh, missteps where the rockets engines ignite, turn off and then reignite for the landing as planned, except the rocket bursts into a fireball on the launch pad. And that's happened a couple of times now. Makes for good videos, but for bad testing. But it's probably good for them to at least figure out what is wrong. And that's how you find out what is wrong. It's a 160 foot tall rocket prototype, 160 foot. That's a big boy. And last Thursday, the Starship was fueled and launched, ready to go. Send out an advisory that the launch was scrubbed. It's weird. They couldn't stop these launches at any notice at any time, just with the drop of the hat, just because it could be just one of the smallest changes in the atmosphere. I mean, it could be an extremely small thing. They don't take chances. They want to be absolutely sure before they launch something into space because all the money that's associated with it. And if there's someone's life on the line, if there's an astronaut sitting in there, than even more so. And that happened the last time SpaceX was going to launch up to meet up with the International Space Station. Same thing happened. Um, let me do this real quick. Uh, I was going to talk about this. One of the, the things that came out today, and let me bring this up because we're getting close to an impeachment. And Donald Trump put a note out through his lawyers regarding how they're going to handle the impeachment. And let me bring this up because it was just a couple hours ago, in fact, that there was a defense that was put up. Let me um, bring that defense up. And his lawyer, one of them, David Schoen, was on Fox News. We know now, apparently, that Mr. Swalwell and the other managers tend to show videotapes of the riots. Read the words of his speech. Calls for peacefulness. Um, th this has nothing to do with President Trump. And the country doesn't need to just watch videos of riots and unrest. We need to heal now. I wanted to bring this up because they're raising this argument. And I think there are some pretty strong arguments that they are raising, at least from that side of the impeachment. But I don't know. I, I know that we're going to be talking about this more next week when we start to get thicker into it. And it doesn't feel like there's a ton of news on this right now. But there was a letter that came out and it said answer of President Donald John Trump, 45th president of the United States, Article one impeachment. It says uh, to the House members of the Senate. Um, and this is the letter that was sent to them given as a response it says the constitution provides that the house of representatives shall have the sole power of impeachment and the president shall be removed from office on impeachment for the conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. And he said admitted in part, denied in part, and not relevant to any matter properly before the Senate. So they talk about the constitutional provision that is accurately reproduced in saying that he is no longer president and cannot be uh, removed from office, then this impeachment would not apply. It says removed from office on impeachment for, and then fill in the blank. So if impeachment means removed from office and you can't remove the person from office, does the constitution actually allow for the impeachment of someone that is out of office? I think you can say, number one, it is a waste of time. You can point out that the Republicans are not going to switch over in mass 
to say that he is convicted on this. So that's already been signaled. There's already been a couple of different votes preliminary leading up to it, like Rand Paul, who tried to have this dismissed. And I think there were five Republicans that switched over. Uh, you're going to need, I think, 17. So not going to happen, number one, if that's any indication. Number two, if you're going to go through this for not, and there's no consequence to this, if, if the consequence is removal of office, what's the point of it? And number three, the person that normally presides over it is the Supreme Court justice, in this case, John Roberts, who have already said, I'm not going to participate in this, which would me uh, indicate that if it was a constitutional question, that would say, OK, if he's not participating in it and it is a constitutional question, would that indicate that? Yeah, he's going to sit this one out and probably we should, too. But nonetheless, they're going to go through with it. And I wanted to talk to Brad Young about this, and I requested that maybe we can get him on the show tomorrow. And what I'm most curious about right now when it comes to the whole process, I know that it is not a legal process. This is a political process. If you were to, to be inside of a, a courtroom and they were to try to bring up pieces of evidence that were not relevant or hearsay or whatever it may be, um, what would a judge do? Would they say, no, this you're not allowed to present this? Would they allow for this? I mean, I'm just kind of curious if this were any other court circumstances, how much would be allowed? Because the indication is what they're going to be doing is playing video. And as you heard from Trump's lawyer, that they would be playing video. If it doesn't directly have to do with him, and this is all not direct evidence, um, what would that indicate? Would they even bring it up? So maybe we'll talk about that with Brad tomorrow. Ted Cruz actually was talking about the impeachment trial. Let me play this for you real quick. This is kind of interesting. And as he's one that is named just like Josh Hawley by a lot of the different people that get all uh, upset online that hate the idea of anyone questioning anything when it comes to Joe Biden. Here's what Ted Cruz had to say about it all. I mean, it's amazing. You read any newspaper article and anytime there's a reference to voter fraud, I think the editor's mandate they put in, which is totally baseless and false. Yeah. <laughs> and, and look, voter fraud has been a persistent challenge in elections and the media narrative that doesn't exist and you can't say it exists it, it is weird rewriting history. Yeah. Now, listen, on the other hand, President Trump's rhetoric, I, I think, went way too far over the line. I, I, I think it, it was both reckless and irresponsible because he said repeatedly and he said over and over again, he won by a landslide. There was massive fraud. It was all stolen everywhere. That evidence they, the campaign did not prove that in right. any court. Right. And to make a determination about about an election, it has to be based on the evidence. And, and so simply saying the result you want, that's not responsible. And you've never heard me use language like that. Right. What I've said is voter fraud is real and we need to examine the evidence and look at the actual facts. And in particular, what is the evidence of how much voter fraud occurred and did it occur in sufficient quantities and in, in sufficient states to alter the outcome of the election? OK, and I think that's what Josh Hawley, very similar in the way that he was bringing it up, would uh, argue that. So that's where we sit. I think that we're going to have kind of a non thing. I, it's I don't know if this is a way for the members of Congress who have always been targets of Donald Trump in the past who have came out and been on the brunt end of his criticism will get their chance to do this and know that it'll be on national TV. Keep in mind, I think Swalwell's going to be part of it. He's going to try really hard not to, uh, as I would say to my six-year-old, toot on national television because, you know, he's known for that. And he's also known for sleeping with the Chinese spy, which is still 
all things considered, why in the world is he given any responsibility in Congress? So there's still that going on. And I think it'll just give another opportunity for people to point out just how broken this is. And who knows, maybe something will be presented that will be significant, but most likely not. All right. Another hour coming up on Overnight America KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 